Hi, this is Richard Zink from the biopharmaceutical section of the American Statistical Association. In this episode, I'll be speaking with several statisticians involved with the upcoming celebration for the 175th anniversary of the American Statistical Association. First, I'd like to introduce Ron Wasserstein, Executive Director of the ASA and Steering Committee member for the world of statistics. Next is Christy Schwankstein, Vice President and Head of Statistical Research and Consulting Center at Pfizer. Finally, I'd, I'd like to welcome Eric Polkstenis, Vice President of Clinical Biostatistics and Data Management at MedImmune. Good afternoon to all of you. Hello. Good afternoon. So let's start off by sharing a brief summary of your educational and professional experience in statistics. Try to include how statistics initially caught your interest. Uh, Ron, let's start with you. Thanks, Richard. I, uh, I was trained in statistics at Kansas State University. I have a master's and PhD from the stat department there. My undergraduate degree was in mathematics, and as I was winding up my undergraduate degree, I began to look at graduate opportunities uh, related to mathematics. I really hadn't ever even heard of statistics as a degree program, but I had mentors at the, at the university where I got my undergraduate degree at Washburn University who introduced me to statisticians at the statistics department at K-State. And when I saw what statisticians did, I just immediately fell in love with it and knew that's what I wanted to do. Great. Christy, how about you? Hi. Well, thank you, Richard. And I enjoyed math when growing up. Even though I majored in math in college, and I realized even then that I wanted to apply math to solve problems. Therefore, it was an easy decision for me to go into statistics for graduate school. Both of my parents were teachers. I always thought that I would be a teacher one day also. This and the desire to work on real-world problems led me to my first job, which was a joint appointment between the statistics department and the cancer center and the University of Rochester. It didn't take me long to realize that I liked the cancer center part of my job better than the teaching job. So I looked for job opportunities that would allow me to dedicate all my time to biomedical research. And that search led me to the pharmaceutical company Upjohn in Kalamazoo, Michigan, almost 30 years ago. I've been with the pharmaceutical industry since then. It has been a rewarding and stimulating career, knowing that every day I'm part of an enterprise that brings needed medicines to waiting patients. During my nearly three decades of a career in the pharma industry, I've held various roles and positions. Currently, I'm head of the Statistical Research and Consulting Center at Pfizer. The objective of my team is to provide statistic consulting services to teams who can benefit from statistical thinking and the practice of statistics. So thank you, Richard. Thank you, Christy. Uh, and Eric, uh, last but not least, uh, let's hear a little bit about your background. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Um, I got a PhD in statistics from Penn State University, and then I worked for about six years in the medical device industry before moving to uh, human genome sciences where I worked for about 11 years, and I uh, spent the last year and a half uh, at MedImmune heading up the biostatistics programming and data management functions there. Um, you know, I think like many folks, I got into statistics because I was good at math. And you uh, kind of grow up and you say, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, what am I going to um, engage in? How am I going to get a job? 
And at the same time, I remember walking into a statistics class and seeing a uh, professor uh, covered in chalk dust, sort of frantically waving his arms, moving about the room. But um, he was a fantastic professor of statistics, and he really captured my um, interest in imagination. Uh, and from then on, I just found it, uh, first of all, challenging, um, sort of counterintuitive in some ways, and what you think is true may not be true. Uh, there's an interesting combination of quantitative rigor, um, but I think there's also sort of a psychology and a, and a human behavior aspect to clinical trials with respect to how people process information, whether they think they're doing it or not, which is just fascinating. And um, I think the way statistics comes along other disciplines is just very attractive um, because those disciplines may not actually appreciate it right away and they may not understand it. And there's a bridge to be built there, and I think it's very satisfying if that can effectively be done. It's also very challenging. Um, and then, as Christy kind of pointed out, when you can work in the healthcare industry and feel that you're making uh, a difference in the lives of patients, um, you know, it's just something that you can really feel good about as well as you partner with other folks. So, um, so that's how I got interested, and, and that's kind of where I am now. Great, thank you uh, all for the summaries. Now, uh, we're quickly approaching the 175th anniversary of the American Statistical Association. Now, Ron, could you provide a brief history of the ASA? Uh, as I understand it, the ASA began as the American Statistical Society, uh, perhaps not the best choice when in need of an abbreviation. Yeah, it's probably better to choose your acronym slightly more carefully than that, but uh, that was changed uh, shortly thereafter to the American Statistical Association, and we are the second oldest professional society in the United States, and really the oldest one that you can just join. The, uh, the oldest professional society is the American Philosophical Society, and you have to be invited to join that society. The early members of the society gathered together because they, uh, they saw a need to uh, support the work of the U.S. Census. But over the years, uh, the work of the society has grown as the, as the society has, has grown in that 175 years. Our tagline now, Richard, is uh, promoting the practice and profession of statistics. We have a very large, diverse membership, people practicing in an incredible array of areas because statistics is a, a, a very diverse profession, a very collaborative profession. So from that start of just a few people, 175 years ago, focused on the census, we have people working in, in, in literally hundreds of different fields. We like to talk about it in terms of academe or industry or government, but that barely begins to describe the diversity within the association. What I'm most happy about as I think about this 175th anniversary, Richard, is that um, we're celebrating not only a rich history, but a very vibrant society and a very forward-looking one. What activities are planned at the Boston Joint Statistical Meetings uh, to celebrate this milestone? Well, I can answer that question, Richard. Now, there is a 175th anniversary steering committee uh, chartered by the Board of Directors of ASA. This committee, which I chair, has been working with the ASA staff on activities to celebrate our past and energize our future. We have planned a celebration party at the GSM. 
complete with hot hors d'oeuvres, champagne, dessert, and an ASA Got Talent show. Run will be our MC for the show. We are counting on a big turnout to help celebrate this milestone event. As for energizing our future part of the celebration theme, the Anniversary Committee has identified three action areas, code-named Step Sharp, Step Growth, and Step Impact. The committee has organized an invited session focusing on the three areas at the GSM. The session will feature Ron and Bob Rodriguez, who is the past president of the ASA, and Jessica Utz, who will be an ASA president in 2016. The committee has also co-sponsored more than a dozen sessions that have presentations touching on the themes of the anniversary. Please look for sessions with the 175th Anniversary Steering Committee listed as a co-sponsor on the GSM program. So these are just some of the examples of the celebrations planned at this year's GSM. Has the biopharmaceutical section been particularly involved, uh, or as far, far as biopharmaceutical activities, uh, those will be listed uh, uh, co-sponsored between uh, the 175th organization and, and the biopharm section? You know, I can uh, help answer part of that question, and Eric might have other answer as well. Now, biopharm section has sponsored an invited session on the contributions um, of pharmaceutical statistics to the advancement of the medicines. So we have three speakers talking about advancements made in the vaccine area, infectious disease area, as well as cardiovascular area. So I would encourage um, uh, folks to attend that particular session as well. Great. Well, that sounds like a very interesting session. Just one more quick question. Is uh, anybody uh, on the line plan to be giving a karaoke performance of their own at the talent show? I can assure you that there will be actual talent at the talent show. <laughs> I, don't so I take it that you won't be singing, Ron. That, that is so right. I will not be. The biopharmaceutical section of the ASA was initially created as a subsection to the biometrics section in 1967 and then established as a separate section in 1981. And since that time, the biopharm section has become one of the largest sections of the ASA based on its membership. So you think, do you think the size is more reflective of the need of statistical methodologies within the pharmaceutical industry or of the success of the section in getting and keeping members involved? You know, Richard, I can comment on that. I think both. Uh, certainly, statistics has flourished uh, within the umbrella of clinical research. There's sort of this combination of, of complexity but also scarcity, and that pushes us to be as efficient as possible as we decipher truth and as we learn. So there's this um, wonderful environment there that just, that just lends itself a perfect opportunity for statistics. Um, clinical research is hard. Drugs fail. So there's a constant pressure, constant reminder, um, can we be as quantitatively smart as, as possible? Um, so certainly there's an opportunity there. Um, you know, with respect to methods, there's this amazing evolution of methods that is, that is continually taking place within biostatistics. There's the, 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 uh, the, the changes and advances in the non-inferiority space. 
that have been sort of moving along. There's the adaptive design space that has kind of exploded on the scene. Uh, personalized healthcare is, is a huge issue right now requiring uh, much collaboration from statisticians. Uh, missing data is again receiving much attention and, and, and then things like safety signal detection. So um, certainly the methods are there, but at the same time, uh, statisticians, I think, as people recognize the challenges and, and sort of the, the idea of safety in numbers and I, I think draw together um, as, a, as a profession, as a, as a society, to meet with peers, to exchange ideas, to uh, compare notes. You know, there's often in statistics many different ways to approach the same problem, and I think that that also lends for a diversity uh, of opinions. I think statisticians are opinion seekers and, and avid learners. So just the uh, the personality and the nature of the business really um, lends itself to uh, a collective environment as opposed to statisticians working in isolation. Thanks for that great summary, Eric. And uh, the next question is sort of in a similar vein uh, where we're looking at the ASA as a whole. Now, despite the name, uh, the American Statistical Association has a global reach with members in more than 90 countries. So why do you think the organization is so successful, including statisticians worldwide? Maybe I'll respond to that first. Richard, I, I want to say, first of all, that one of the great joys of, of being the executive director of the ASA this past almost seven years now has been the opportunity to interact with other statistical societies. And there are really a, a large number of really wonderful organizations based on statistics all around the world. Even You don't even have to look farther than the joint statistical meetings, which now involve uh, 10 professional societies of statistics, to see that uh, around the globe there are wonderful people doing a great many uh, wonderful things for our profession. The American Statistical Association has the, um, the great advantage of being uh, a large society with reach and resources that enable it to take on a large number of things and, and I might add, to be supportive of these other societies, large and small, all around the globe. I, I think the, the, the mission of the society resonates well with people, the, the resources, including the, the great network of people, um, connects uh, very well with people around the world and provides a really tremendous community, a tremendous uh, network for statisticians to engage with other statisticians. I, I think in many respects that's the very most important thing that happens within our society. We have chapters, we have uh, sections now approaching 30 uh, different sections and so on. And so I find it uh, not at all surprising that members from all around the world want to uh, engage with the association, and we are so grateful that they do. Going a bit larger, the discipline of statistics has enjoyed many successes over the years, and it's increasingly uh, becoming increasingly important to our everyday lives. So is there anything surprising to you about how statistics or statisticians are perceived by the general public or the challenges that statisticians face? You know, maybe I'll uh, answer that question uh, first. Now, uh, in a recent 
at social gathering when I introduced myself as a statistician, the response I got was, well, oh, that's very nice, but have you heard the expression lies, damned lies, and statistics? I think there continues to be a perception that statistics is often manipulated to support one's agenda. It is true that we can't control how statistics is being used, but we can surely help increase statistical literacy and educate the general public on the proper use of statistics to help the public better tell truth from fiction. So I think that's one thing we can certainly you know, help educate the public. And uh, since we are coming from the biofarm section, you know, I do want to also point out there are you know, some uh, academic statisticians uh, who probably have some question regarding the practice of statistics you know, in the pharmaceutical industry. So I do think pharmaceutical statisticians have some education to do here. We have some opportunity to open our doors and invite non-industry statisticians to collaborate with us. We should share with our you know, non-industry colleagues the rigorous statistical standards that we uphold. Collaboration and open-door policy can foster transparency, which I believe will help foster understanding and greater appreciation of pharmaceutical statistics. So there's a lot of um, education sharing collaboration uh, to be done at a various level. Uh, Ron or Eric, do you have anything to add? Yeah, you know, Richard, I think, um, you know, statistics is becoming a little more mainstream, if that makes sense, where, where non-statisticians uh, or lay people at least have an awareness um, of statistics. You know, the, the movie Moneyball was quite popular, and that was sort of, you know, taking quantitative methods and applying it to sports to, to optimize the performance of a team. And I thought that that was quite interesting, that that was um, made it into pop culture. Um, you know, certainly there are challenges. I think that all of us as statisticians bear the responsibility for how our profession is perceived and, and the value that we bring. And certainly, um, we have to, to kind of advocate, and, and I think we, we move into the professions that we come alongside of, and we uh, have to help people appreciate what statistics brings to the table and, um, you know, help people to quantify uncertainty that they may not even be aware of and to increase the rigor of decision-making. Um, I think statisticians can help people unlearn what they think they know. Um, so it, it's a very interesting sort of human behavior aspect and a bridge-building aspect that, that are some of the, the really interesting challenges that, that statisticians face. And then lastly, I think just communicating complicated or com complex concepts in a way that's understandable to lay people is, is a great opportunity to kind of build those bridges as well. So I think that we've come a long way, and I think that we have a long way to go. Richard, I certainly um, agree with both uh, Eric and Christy, and I would just say, uh, in addition, that it, it may be the best time ever to be a statistician. It's a great time to be a statistician. While we have lots of people who still misunderstand what we do, there is a, a greater recognition of it than there's been, certainly since I became aware of, of, of statistics 30-some um, years ago. We have uh, a really high employment rate, tremendous demand for the services of statisticians. The work is uh, 
is fascinating, and it becomes more fascinating all the time because the, uh, the challenges that, uh, of statistical methodology, the opportunities in, uh, in big data, in all kinds of uh, areas, uh, ones we've been talking about in, 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 in biofarm, certainly the case in other areas in biology, but really in all the sciences, there's just a load of opportunities for, for research, for practical application out there. So it's a fabulous time to be a statistician, and I think increasingly statisticians are, uh, are less uh, afraid and more prepared for that, for that party moment that Christy was talking about when you're, when you're asked what it is that you do. It really is something to be proud of. Being a statistician requires a, a great deal of training, a lot of skill. It's not something that just anyone can do. And it's a, it's a job, it's a skill that is very appreciated in the marketplace, as measured, as I already mentioned, by the, the jobs and the demand for jobs, but also measured by the, the kind of pay that statisticians are able to receive and the, the more subjective kinds of things about workplace environment and so on always seem to rate very highly for statisticians there. So I tell people all over the country and all over the world, it is a great time to be a statistician. Now, if I may, I'd like to uh, echo what Eric and Ron had said, uh, in the sense that you know, statisticians are really uniquely trained to synthesize information in this very information-rich environment to facilitate evidence-based decisions. Now, just take the pharmaceutical industry as an example. I know that you did a podcast on Bayesian approaches uh, in a few months ago. Now, we have seen Bayesian methods used in study design, in the analysis of those response data. We have seen Bayesian methods used to incorporate existing information to make go, no-go decisions. And this method helps us view product development as a continuous learning experiment and integrate accumulated information in a very structured way. The ability to turn theory into practice through collaboration is a great success story for statisticians. So there are lots of opportunities for statisticians. There are a lot of opportunities for collaboration and also turn theory into practice. I agree. It is an exciting time to be a statistician. Well, last year was the International Year of Statistics, and this year we're celebrating the 175th anniversary. So are there any major activities planned for next year, or do we have to wait another 25 years to prepare for the bicentennial? Well, it's going to be pretty hard to top the International Year of Statistics and the 175th anniversary, but stay tuned because there are a great many things going on within the society that are going to begin to become apparent uh, in the remainder of this year and on into 2015. We have a very vibrant strategic plan that, that our presidents, our board use to, to provide direction for the association. So we see new things coming around the corner every year for the next 25 years and beyond. Well, fantastic. I, I, many thanks for your time today, everyone. I, I appreciate having this discussion and celebrating uh, what it is that we as statisticians do and the uh, tremendous milestone that the ASA has reached. I look forward to seeing you all in Boston. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you.
Bye-bye. Thanks, Richard.